Welcome to the Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. This is podcast number five called Disinfectant Technologies Overview. My name is Van Walter and I'm the host today. Today we have with us Lorinda Becker as our presenter. As a part of the Diversity Hygiene Academy, you'll have access to some slides on the topic, a video recording, an audio recording, and a quick reference narrative on the content. There are many different tools for you to use. Please feel free to sit back, listen, and learn. A podcast about cleaning? Diversity Hygiene Academy podcast series. Well, welcome today, Lorinda. Thanks for, thanks for joining me today. Um, lots of different questions on disinfectant technologies. And, and the word technology is kind of a funny word for that, I, I think. So, you know, what, what do we mean by disinfectant technologies, first of all? And what are some of the considerations when picking the right one? Well, hi, man. It's Lorinda. I hope you're doing great, and thank you. Um, there are many different technologies, and we consider the technologies more like the chemistries that go with those products. So how is that chemistry comprised, and what do we call that overarching technologies? As you look at some of the different products, what we consider would be, you know, what kill claims that product might have, does it kill the bugs that you need to kill? And we do talk about that a lot in our Ideal Disinfectant um, podcast number nine as well. We also talk about the wet contact times and do the bugs die before the disinfectant dries. So making sure that you have the right technology to meet what your needs are. The third thing is really the safety. Is it safe for the users, the staff, the patrons, residents, if you're in a nursing home environment, for instance, or even patients in a health environment. And the last thing we think about um, in the key criteria is really how easy it is to use. Does it have a good shelf life? Can I keep it for a long period of time to meet my needs of how often I disinfect? We also think about how it's delivered. Is it in a pre-wetted wipe? Is it ready to use? Or is it in some kind of dilution control system for dosing and dispensing? And then there's the last consideration there, like, you know, is it one step? Do you actually just clean and disinfect with one step? Or do you actually need to do a couple different steps with that? That's great. That's a really good list of uh, considerations when looking at different technologies that are out there. So can you give us a little bit of uh, background on some of those technologies and how many there are? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So I'll give you a little bit of history lesson. Um, not that I like history, but if you look back, say, in the 1930s, um, the, the most popular one was chlorine or chlorine like bleach, people would call it today. Um, so there are um, sodium hypochloride. There are many different names that are synonymous with that. And, and then it kind of emerged into, say, iodine. Um, and then in the 50s, I think, came uh, phenolics, which are basically um, a phenyl compound. And then quats in the 1970s, which are quaternary ammonium quant compounds and also quat alcohols. Um, there are quat solvents. And then kind of more recently, what we've seen is an onslaught of a couple new technologies, one being accelerated hydrogen peroxide, parasitic acid, and then a new one, which is called NADCC, which I was going to test you, Van, to see how well you can say it, but it's sodium dichloroisocyanurate. Well, Lorinda, thanks for the uh, history lesson in the 
the different active ingredients and disinfectants. It's very interesting to just see like how long some of them have been around, especially chlorine back way back to the 1930s. So I'm wondering if we can dive in a little bit more into some of the, the key technologies and then just kind of discuss what some of the trade-offs might be when selecting one versus the other. You bet. Um, as I kind of look at it, you know, if I take those buckets of kill claims and kill claims in wet contact times and safety, ease of use, and look at them across the different products, there are a lot of different trade-offs that need to be balanced as you consider a disinfectant. The key thing to really know is that if it's going to be harsh on pathogens and it's going to kill those hard-to-kill pathogens, it's probably not going to be really safe for us as human beings. So the key is really balancing safety and efficacy, which efficacy is really what it kills and how well it kills. So selecting that disinfectant is really an exercise in balancing those trade-offs. And I will tell you, there's not one disinfectant that does everything extremely well. And so as we look at the different technologies and positioning the chemistries, um, we really have to look at a lot of different factors and the pros and cons of each. Yes, I, I agree completely. And, and, you know, going back to the timeline, looking at bleach way back in the 1930s, there has to be a reason why new technologies have uh, come out over the years, right? So can we dive into them a bit more and how you break them down? You sure can. And I will tell you that bleach was around way before me, just for the record. <laughs> so as I kind of look at it, um, what, what I generally do is like to think about it as sporocytals because sporocytals are really in a unique category. They're primarily used in healthcare. And what you're going to find with sporocytals is they are really for those difficult, hard-to-kill pathogens. And then I'll also talk about dilutables and then the ready-to-use products, which would be, you know, what we might see on the grocery store shelf or actually when we're in a facility that has those wipes or things available. So if I look at sporocytals, um, the first one is that sodium hypochlorite that we talked about, a.k.a. bleach. So a lot of people commonly refer to it as bleach. We might see that in our household as well. And, and really what that is is it's an oxidizer. So it does oxidize, um, and, and it will kill and bind with the outer wall of the organism and damage it. And, and what's good about bleach is it's got a pretty broad efficacy, including spores, which I spoke about, pretty fast acting. Um, it's kind of cheap, so you can get it on a pretty low cost, and it's not flammable, so it's not too bad from that side of the safety. Um, when you do look at the disadvantages, though, is bleach, as we know, can tend to you know, be a little bit corrosive. Being an oxidizer, it can kind of rust or pit on different types of chemistries or substrates. You'll also find that it's not super great as far as a cleaner, so Obviously, we're going to be cleaning and then disinfecting in those type of situations where there's a difficult pathogen, but in the overall scheme of things, it can be corrosive. It can actually discolor clothing and things like that, and, and some people aren't really keen on the odor, so um, that smell of bleach can be kind of a scary smell because it's associated with you know breathing and things like that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, and I mean, I think we've all seen... Um, situations where bleach has been used or misused, especially like in, I, I, I know I've been in multiple hotels where I've seen where a housekeeper has maybe intended to use it on surface and then it got on the carpeting and you, you can always see that that discolors and damages that surface. So that's, that's a good, good insight into, into bleach. How about some other ones? 
Yeah, and, and one thing I'll follow up on the bleach and, and also this next one that I'm going to talk about, Van, is sometimes what you'll find is that if a housekeeper or somebody who's doing, doing that cleaning and disinfection, if they don't like the product, they're going to be less likely to do a really stellar job because they want to get it done as quickly as they can. And we have seen that, and there have been studies um, where folks really – don't hit as many surfaces, maybe if they don't love that product. So it's just something to consider as you're selecting that product. Um, the, the, the next one is really parasitic acid. Uh, some people call it PAA, and, and it's, again, an oxidizer. Uh, definitely has a great range of efficacy. This is a little bit newer chemistry technology. It does kill a lot of pathogens, including, including spores. And in general, it's pretty fast-acting. Um, there's no residuals, so it does break down to oxygen and water when it's done. It doesn't bleach, you know, as we talked about, kind of like lightening the color and, and hurting fabrics. Um, the, the key about PAA is that it can be hazardous um, alone and with other chemicals, just like bleach. And it, again, like bleach, and I don't know if I mentioned this, it does have a little bit shorter shelf life. So if I put it into a bucket of, you know, claws, cleaning, um, microfiber, et cetera, it's good for a day. So I pretty much have to change it out. Even if it's in a bottle, it still doesn't have a very long shelf life. Um, now, on PAA, it doesn't smell like bleach. It actually has that vinegar um, odor or smell or whatever you want to call it. Um, some people are trying to really look at it as the new smell of clean. And, and what we find is, you know, some people are sensitized to that smell. So as far as the overall, the cleaning ability for both bleach and PAA are not quite as good. Right. And would you see PAA uh, much outside of uh, laundry or healthcare, or, or just in general, where might you see PAA used? Um, where we've really seen a lot of it is where folks are looking for something that's non-bleach that they can use throughout the whole facility. So if I want to use a sporocidal product everywhere, I most likely would look at this technology. You know, some people still do bleach and still use bleach as a, you know, sporocidal everywhere as well. But we would see that as, as a product that if you were going to be cleaning and you wanted that super aggressive product, you might want to use it everywhere. Um, the downside of it is, again, it can be a sensitizer. And, you know, some folks just personally don't like that smell and that they call it a pungent odor. Um, you know, to me, it's all about the safety. The other thing I'd say here is the safety of this product in a concentrate is extremely dangerous. Um, it, it does, you know, it, it's just very toxic. So, you know, again, you want to have people that understand how they're using it and make it as simple as you can. Good, good. Thank you. And what about you used a very fancy word earlier on, which I'm just going to call NADCC. Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to use the easy word. Can I hit the easy button here? Yes. Um, NADCC, um, some people just call it effervescent chlorine tablets, <laughs> but basically um, it, it's, again, um, a, an effervescent tablet, and these actually go in like Alka-Seltzer. Um, they look about the size of a 50-cent piece, maybe a little bit thicker, and if, if you remember what those look like, some people don't even use coins anymore, but um, they basically you put that tablet into the water, and just like your Alka-Seltzer, it's going to take a little bit of time to dissolve, and then when it is added to the water, it releases a hydrochloric acid, which again will um, react with the pathogens through oxidation and actually eventually kill them. And what's really cool about NADCC is that it's got a very broad efficacy. Um, it's a lot less surface damaging than bleach. 
um, very convenient tablets. You put one in each quart, basically, when you're working with the product in a sporocidal situation. Um, they have a pretty good shelf life in concentrate. Again, it seems like all these products on the bleach side or on the sporocidal side tend to be a little bit shorter shelf life once they're diluted or once there's water added to them. A couple things I'd say on the flip side is that these tablets can have like a chlorine pool smell if you're you know used to going to a hotel or somewhere where you'd have chlorine in the pool it has that type of smell um, and what I would say is that dosing and mixing you do have to put the tablet into the water wait a few minutes for it to dissolve but it, it's a pretty effective technology. Good, good. So now we've covered the sporocidals category that you broke down. You broke it down into three different categories. And, and now we're going to start and we're going to move on. And before we move on, I, just, just to clarify, sporocidals, I, I mean, do we see those a lot out of uh, hospitals and healthcare, or, or where are they primarily used and when would they be used mostly? Yeah, that's a great question, Van. Um, usually a sporocidal product you're going to see in a healthcare environment potentially acute care where you have patients in the room um, and checking out um, with a, you know, say terminal clean or something like that. You'd also see it in a nursing home or long-term care facility, again, where they might have C. diff as one of their raging pathogens or pathogens of concern. So really a sporocidal product is not going to be used in every environment. It's going to be more of, um, I call it an event type of technology or chemistry versus the ongoing daily process. Does that make sense? Yep, perfect sense. Thank you for clarifying that. So we've checked off sporocidals, the category. Let's move on to dilutables. Sure. We'll talk a little bit about dilutables. There are a few. Um, phenolics we talked about, they came way back in the 50s, still pre-me for the record. And um, what, what we find about uh, phenolics is they're very much a, a low cost in dilutable form. A lot of them go up to like a one to 256 or a half ounce per gallon um, as far as dilution rate. The technology itself, uh, bactericidal, tubercidal, fungicidal, virucidal, I mean, they really kill the key pathogens that are gonna be um, of concern in most situations. What I would say is that they're definitely not flammable. Um, they're not a great cleaner, so to speak. There are other products that are a little bit better cleaners if you're looking for the, the overall package. Um, what I would say is that this product kind of came around um, mostly in healthcare, mostly in operating room environments, and it was really prior to having a bloodborne pathogen standard out there. And so this product is still used not as, you know, broadly as it may have been in the past. The disadvantage of it really would be it's not sporocidal, which we talked about, and it, it has had some issues where there are infants or anybody who is compromised might have an issue around this type of chemistry. So it's, I would say, a pretty narrowly used technology or chemistry as of today. Yeah, it sounds pretty dated compared to uh, some of the other things that are out there today. Um, let's move on to the next one, which are which are quats or quaternary ammonium compounds. And I, I think that these are much – well, thank you, thank you. I think these are probably much more widely used. So, I, I mean, before you dive in it too much, like across the board, what would you – if you had to guess, all the all the uh, people out there using disinfectants, what, do you, what would you think is the percentage of people using quats in the market? Um, Oh, quats is going to be probably in the 
30 to 40% range. Um, what you'll find about quats is that, as you said, quaternary ammonium chloride compounds, and they are AKA quats, which is a lot easier to say, kind of like on that NADCC thing, okay? And, and, and really what we find with this type of technology is that it's extremely inexpensive in a dilutable form. So if you look at the dilutables, um, you again can go up to one to 256 or a half an ounce per gallon in usage. Um, what people love about quads is you can use them floor to ceiling. Um, they generally are going to be very surface compatible. So there's not a challenge of can I use it on this, you know, substrate versus this or this um, apparatus versus that. Looking at some of the equipment that's out there in schools and uh, hospital environments, anywhere that you really use it. Um, they are extremely stable when they're diluted, which is really cool. So you can put it in a bottle and they're good for a period of time. What I would say about quads, um, kill times can be a little bit longer depending on the quads. I think they range from about three minutes up to 10. And in general, they're not going to be tuberculocidal, which, you know, again, that's an airborne pathogen. It's not something you're going to see in a school, in a retail environment probably in a whole lot of places. And, and honestly, Van, I don't see a lot of folks using tuberculocidal products as a, a need to have um, in this day and age. Sure, sure. Okay, so it feels like we're kind of moving uh, up the ladder here a little bit. Or, you know, as we looked at that timeline, we're kind of going from the, the older technology, the antiquated, to maybe bigger and better and, and onward and upward. So what else is there out there today? Well, the probably most trendy thing that we see in both dilutables and ready-to-use products is accelerated hydrogen peroxide, which we call AHP um, at Diversity. And, and basically, this is AKA H2O2, so it breaks down into H2O and O2 um, at the point it, when it's, at which it's used. So it's pretty environmentally friendly from that end as well. Um, I spoke earlier about oxidizers with the bleach and the PAA and other products. This product is also an oxidizer, and it's become really one of the most considered disinfectant because, A, it's fast. Um, in general, it can be very fast. It also has a broad spectrum of the different organisms that it does kill or the germs that it kills. Um, pretty easy to comply with your treatment times because it's fast, but the biggest thing is in a diluted state um, and in a ready-to-use state, it's pretty safe for workers. So if your staff is cleaning with it, if you want to use it in a school, it's generally going to be very, very safe for the user. So in a lot of environments, you know, no PPE or personal protective equipment is really required. Um, it's also not flammable. And then the last thing I'd say is that, you know, once you dilute it, you have a pretty good shelf stability. So it lasts quite a while. Okay, great, great. So we've just gone through and we've, we've covered the dilutables category. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the next category then would be the ready-to-use. So what can you tell us about the different technologies that are out there that come in ready-to-use form? You bet. So ready-to-use, um, there's a couple technologies that I would highlight. Um, the first one would be the quat alcohol or quat solvents. And these are going to be the ready-to-use formats of the quats. Um, what you'll find is it works just like a quat. Um, they might put another additive like a solvent or an alcohol to help with the efficacy to give it a pretty close to low ki uh, kill time or contact time. So when I mentioned before the dilutables might be 3 minutes to 10 minutes, you might see a quat you know, up to 3 minutes, maybe a 2-minute quat, 
Um, and, and there are also quads that are out there, quad alcohols that kill in a one-minute kill time or contact time. And these products are more likely to require PPE because of the additives that give that faster efficacy. So this is something that we would recommend folks look at as far as who's going to be using it, what kind of training programs you have. Um, they do have fast efficacy, a pretty broad spectrum. We talked about this spectrum before. Um, and, and the surface compatibility is pretty awesome with them. So um, I, I would say they're pretty good. Now, if you are using a quiet alcohol, some of the alcohol contents could be from 25% up to as high as 57 60% in that realm. So they are going to be flammable. So again, just make sure that wherever you're using them, that people wear the right PPE and they are completely understanding of you know, how that product needs to be used. Good, good. So any other RTU or ready-to-use products or, or uh, technologies out there that are, are current? Yeah, I would probably um, also, you know, we talked about AHP or accelerated hydrogen peroxide. Um, as we looked at AHP, they also have a lot of ready-to-use type products out there in the marketplace. Um, basically would offer that one-minute contact time, maybe a three-minute contact time, depending on the different technology. Um, what I would say about AHP here, when I was talking about the quad alcohol, the quad solvents, a lot of those do require a lot more PPE if you're using them. So what's nice with the AHP products, whether they're in a white format or a ready-to-use liquid, is that you generally are not going to need to use PPE at dilution or in a ready-to-use format, which is pretty cool um, if you're working in a school or if you want to have those wipes available for patrons or somebody who can use them kind of on demand or as needed if they see a quick spill or something to take care of. Um, very fast efficacy I spoke about, that broad spectrum. And, and what's really nice is that safety factor. So remember the original trade-offs that I showed you where we had that safety versus efficacy? This is kind of like the nirvana. Um, they're not flammable, which is really cool. And as far as the shelf life, again, just like on the, um, the dilutables, it's pretty darn good. Right, right. Well, that's a lot of, really a lot of information, and uh, it's kind of overwhelming. So I guess if you could just kind of simplify this and break it down and um, get it, just give us some key takeaways out of all this information sure. when we're talking about uh, different technologies out there and help us, help us make a good selection for our facility. You bet, you bet. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is kind of going back to the beginning is, is really think about those key criteria, the kill claims, how long it needs to be wet, what your staffing's like, and who's going to be using that product. What do you need to know about safety, about flammability, toxicity, things like that, because it's really important to have that safe and healthy environment. Also, is it easy to use? Is it easy to use on the worker? Do they like the smell? Do they like how it works? You know, the form of delivery, which could be a wipe or ready to use, dilutable, what have you. And then that one step, we didn't really talk about a whole lot, but is it a one step kind of wipe and walk? So if I clean and disinfect on that surface and then I walk away, that's always kind of a nice thing. So you don't have to go back and redo if it's too long of a kill time. The last thing I would consider is looking at your suppliers and thinking about you know, what training and education and how do you help me really support doing the best job and having the right product to meet the needs. Does that make sense? It sure does. Yeah, it sure does. Yeah, well, I kind of the last thing I'd, I'd throw at Javan, I'll just, uh, yeah. just interject for a quick second, sure. is um, there's a great chart that we have that 
really kind of looks at some of the different things to consider. And I, I call it a stoplight chart. It really highlights, you know, green is good, red is maybe not so good, and orange or yellow is kind of in the middle. And, and looking at each of the different technologies and going across the chart on toxicity, health effects, all the safety pieces that you'd want to consider, whether you need to wear PPE or if it's required, um, how the smell is. <laughs> if that product smells good, I'm going to want to use it. And that smell of clean in my environment. And then also how compatible it might be with some of my cleaning tools, like my microfibers, my mops, things like that. Um, compatibility with surfaces, which I know my building owners would really want to be worried about. And then also that environmental profile. So there is a quick chart, and we'll make sure that um, we pass that along to you so you can use that to kind of do a quick comparison as you look at your facilities. Absolutely. That sounds great. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Lorinda, and, and a lot of valuable information here. And I want to remind everybody um, that's listening in, we do have a lot of other podcasts in this series. So please, you know, check out some of the other podcasts and any other closing comments or, or anything else from you, Lorinda? No, all I can say is do everything you can to create that safer environment. It really is important. And you know what, we can certainly help you make the best selection and the right criteria to make those selections. So let us help you. And thank you very much for the opportunity, Van.